Hey everyone, it's Alex here, and uh, before we start this podcast, I wanted to just give a quick message of condolences to Brian Frazier's family and friends. As many of you know, Brian Frazier passed away this past week on Thursday after a long battle with cancer. Uh, Brian, uh, I knew him through Twitter. He was one of just the genuinely nicest guys you will ever meet, Um, and through his entire battle, it was honestly um, inspiring what he'd do. He, He always put other people ahead of him, no matter what his situation was like. Um, he was genuinely one of the nicest guys I've ever met, uh, always seemed to be in good spirits, and it didn't matter how who you were or how you approached him, he was always kind to you. So, um, yeah, I want to give a quick shout-out to Brian, and uh, we're all thinking about him and his family right now and uh, everything they had to go through. Uh, Brian was a huge advocate of donating blood and uh, Canadian Blood Services. I highly uh, recommend checking them out uh, if you want to do something in his memory, and um yeah, you know, I uh, just uh, wanted to give a quick shout out to him and uh, his family and friends, you know, that, that we're all thinking of them right now in this time. So I uh, hope you guys all enjoy the episode and thank you all for listening. Joining me now, she's a staff writer for Silver Seven Sens. Uh, Bieta, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going? I'm pretty good. How are you? Oh, doing pretty good. You know, there's a, a lot to talk about, as it seems like it is quite often with this team. <laughs> uh, another really busy week for the Auto Senators and, and the fan base as well. Um, and thank you so much for joining me because we have a, a ton, really, for only four games, you know. There's a lot of storylines that came out of this week, including the Sen Sickos getting a coach fired, and it almost felt like a second one was going to get fired after the Flames loss. Let's go through a couple of the games first, and then we can give you know our opinions on what we've seen over the past week or two, but, and also the, the coaching stuff as well. But uh, mm-hmm. Sunday night, the Senators beat the Habs 3-2 in overtime. Um, it was a, a pretty good game, close all the way through. I, I thought Ottawa d- deserved the win, frankly. Like, I, I oh, thought... Yeah. Uh, they had like five breakaways that they really could have capitalized on. It was like a running joke that, you know, and almost like it has been all year where they've had a ton of chances and just couldn't capitalize. But really one of the, you know, I don't think the stats maybe showed it, but I thought one of the better team games overall by these guys uh, that we've seen all year, frankly. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's nice to see their luck kind of turning around a little bit. Like, you know, they didn't necessarily get all of the bounces in this game, but they did get enough to actually win. And it, it's kind of felt like, you know, at the beginning of the season, they weren't winning a lot of games and they didn't deserve to be winning all of those games, but it felt like they deserved to be doing a little bit better than their record indicated. So um, it was nice to finally have a game where where things actually started to click. And it was especially nice that it was against the Habs, obviously. They, they really do pick their moments. It's weird. Like it's, uh, you know, it's funny because sometimes I think the narrative can get overblown that you get big up for a big game or whatever, but it's so incredibly obvious with this team when they're playing Toronto or they're playing Montreal, they are bringing the best they can possibly bring, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Like there's sort of a running joke on silver seven that like they only win when I'm writing the recap and people will say like, Oh, you got to write the recap for this game because I want to win. But the secret is I pick the games that I think are going to be the most fun to recap because I'm like, this is the one with the fun storyline. This is the one that's against a rival, right? I want the Sens to win, or I'm going to have a bunch of jokes to tell for this game. And it seems like the Sens are kind of on the same wavelength where like whenever there's a game that like you kind of want them to win, there's a fun storyline, they'll pull off the win. And I think that's what's happening right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, that, that first game, it was, it was quite the entertaining thing to watch because, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to sometimes think back to, you know, four games ago yeah. or whatever, but, um, you know, they, they play hard. They, they had a good first period, get shelled in the second and come out and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they, they steal, not steal a point again. Like I, I thought they had a couple great chances, but um, you know, they took points away from a, a Montreal team that desperately needed it. And then <laughs> they followed up two nights later. You think, you know, Montreal is going to come out firing on all the cylinders and just a, a back and forth five, four game in the shootout. You know, yeah. I really thought Ottawa played well. They jumped out to a two, one lead Montreal scored two in the second Ottawa got one. It was three, three heading into the third. And then they both scored one in the third and it gets down to the shootout and Ottawa wins. And again, like an exciting game where it's like, you mm-hmm. it, it's so weird watching this team compared to the team that we saw even two and a half weeks ago when they were completing that that road trip at west and everyone Absolutely was like not. i've had enough of this team but now it's like <laughs> I, I get like there's just you don't need to win every game but the fact that they're like i actually want to sit down and watch most ottawa games is such a nice change yeah and you left out the um most significant part of that win which is the Habs disallowed goal um which was just like a, a, an extra like fun element to it right um that they kind of almost won right at the end and then they, and then it got called back and the Habs uh kind of lost their minds about that a little bit um yeah and like it's just really fun to see them winning the games that you want them to win, right? They're, they're like only winning if it's going to be really embarrassing for the other team. They're making it, this is the, like the sickos thing, right? Like they're making it as as embarrassing as possible for everyone else, um, which is just like so much fun to watch. And yeah, such a big difference from earlier on in the season. Yeah, and I mean, that, that, uh, that Tuesday night game was just, it was really insane. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much to talk about on and off the ice with it, of course. I, I think first things first, that might be the best game I've ever seen Brady Kachuk play. He oh, was yeah. All I was, the ice. Yeah, like, my, my one, like, regret about that game is, like, I really wish Kachuk had gotten that overtime winner to complete the hat trick because yeah. he was all over the ice. He looked absolutely incredible. And, again, like, it's nice to see players that, like, step up for big rivalry games. Like, one of the reasons why we love J.G. Peugeot so much is that he would play the Habs and just, like, ascend to another level, right? Um, and, yeah, like, that, it, it's just really nice to see that. And we all love Brady, of course. Yeah, and I mean, and Drake Batherson went off that game too, yeah. goal and assist. Eric Branstrom found his first NHL goal. It was probably one that, to be honest, Carey Price should have had. I, I think there was a couple in that It wasn't game. Zoob's goal, you know? Yes, it was, yeah, it was exactly. a little different, yeah. And, and I mean, even Brady's second goal, it's like, wow, you a 10 and a half, a, a Bantam goalie shouldn't be letting that in, let alone a 10 and a half million dollar NHL goalie. But um, yeah, it was, yeah. you talk about getting the bounces and uh, mm-hmm. they really got one on that review call. I, uh, I, I just, I, I can't, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm shocked that that call got overturned. And <laughs> it was like, you know, it was kind of a toss up where I was sort of like, eh, I made some maybe goaltender interference, but like, I don't think the NHL is going to call it that. And then when you realize it's Montreal, you're like, ah, you know, they never get, the, I mean, they always get the calls, right? Like they're never going to disallow a goal against Montreal for, but apparently they were, they were on board. So it's just, it it blows my mind because like, I, again, like, I think you could make the argument. Sure. It's goaltender interference. There was clearly Gallagher went to the crease. He interfered with them. He's in the blue paint. That's fine. But then Murray does a full spin and takes (laughs) two seconds to stand up before completely losing sight of where the puck is. And and that's where I knew it it still, I think would have been okay, 
But the fact that they have precedent for what happens in this scenario, because there was a New York Islanders and Toronto Maple Leafs game that happened last year, and the exact same thing happened where Frederick <laughs> Anderson got bumped over, stood up, and the puck came in, and they called it a good goal because he had time to reset, but they ruled it the other way this way. I was like, like I'll take no it. Sense. I love it. I <laughs> it love makes no it, sense, but, but like it, it fits the narrative, you know? Like I think the thing I tweeted when that goal happened was like, wait, this wasn't in the script, right? Like we played so well, we finally get the bounces. It's a rivalry game. All we want is to beat the Habs. And like, of course we're gonna win this game, right? It felt like a game that we were supposed to win. And so it was nice to get that uh, that bounce, I guess. Yeah, and then it goes obviously, so the disallowed goal with like 10 or five seconds left and brings it to overtime. Mm-hmm. One of the most thrilling overtimes I've seen. I yeah, can't like I wish that, that they, could have gone on longer, right? They and, need to make it 10 again, minutes. Again, like I I was just, my one regret is that we didn't get the Kachuk overtime winner, at least like a, an overtime goal that would have been so much more exciting than the shootout, even though it was nice to get, you know, all of Mark Stone's tenants uh, <laughs> out in the shootout and uh, and have Josh Norris and Drake Batherson, or not Drake Batherson, Tim Stutzla, obviously, each score their first uh, first ever shootout goals, I think, right? I don't think yep. Norris had a shootout goal. Yep, I don't think he had, yeah, I don't think he had one last yeah. year either, but yeah, so, I mean, it just kind of wraps up the perfect thing, and then uh, you know, it comes down the next morning that uh, Claude Julian is out as the Montreal head coach. And you go, wow, they really just got the uh, the Senators really just got a coach fired. And obviously it wasn't <laughs> it was, just them, but it's, I, I it's love this, hilarious. Yeah. I, I love this for two reasons. One is that obviously we got the Montreal coach fired, which is absolutely hilarious. Like, this is my favorite thing. I am so happy about this. I personally, like, I, I have a special hatred for the Habs as somebody who went to a French high school and, and had to engage with a lot of Habs fans there. Um, but I also love that this means that this is the second time in a row that the Sens have gotten Claude Julien fired um, because they also got him fired in 2015 when, during the Hamburglar run. So that was really funny. Yeah, I mean, poor Claude. Well, I mean, not poor Claude Julien. He seems like a nice dude, but he's also sitting and making millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> and, he's had a long career as a coach. Yes, I, and I think I'm sure he's, okay. he's yeah. going to get another gig somewhere soon down the road if the team wants him because he is a good coach. And, um, you know, I'm interested to get your opinion on this too because – Part of me says, yeah, that's fine. It's time for a change. But, you know, they, they fired their head coach, and I don't think they've won a game since. Like, they, they promoted Dominic Ducharme, who they said, no, this is our guy. This is our guy. And, uh, you know, the, the other night they go to Winnipeg, and they blow a 2 nothing lead in the third period to lose to Winnipeg, and they lost to him again on Saturday, yeah, too. It's, so um, It's bizarre. I would like, like – with firing the coach, it can kind of go one of two ways. Like either it takes a while for things to change and they end up kind of playing the same way, even with a different guy, or you see what happens in like, was it 2015 that that happened? It definitely happened in 2017 as well with the Sens where like you get a new coach and then just like instantly everything is working. Um, And clearly that second thing is not happening with the Habs right now, but yeah, it was, it it seemed like a strange choice. I don't pay that much attention to Montreal. at least, you know, I, I only want to know when they're losing or doing something really embarrassing. I, I haven't heard a lot about issues with coaching. That doesn't seem like their main problem. I don't know. Yeah, I know, the you know, some of the fan base that I follow on Twitter was really happy it happened. And um, I think they were kind of sick. You know, there were some roster things, but uh, that they were mad that he wasn't playing certain guys on the fourth line or whatever. But at the what end of the day, do if- that right exactly and if that's the biggest issue you probably have a roster issue not a coaching issue and I think to further that point like the Montreal Canadiens right now are second in shot attempts 
for and against. They are 55%. So they're controlling the shot attempts and they're first in the entire league for expected goals for and against with 57%. And again, that doesn't always turn into just automatic results, but there's probably something to suggest that the last two or three weeks or whatever their slide has been probably isn't truly who they are either. You know, I don't think they were this juggernaut dominant team that they started the year when they beat up on Vancouver Mm -hmm. five times, but I I don't think they're this bad of a team either, or at least if they are, I don't think that's on Julian. And I really don't know what they expect because I think they got a little overhyped going into the year, but my big thing was if Carey Price can be okay, which he's been bad this year, he's been flat out bad. I, I, I'm shocked that people still call him a top three goalie in the world or whatever, because he's just not that anymore, but they also need uh, contributions from their, their centermen, two of them who are really young in Suzuki and Cagniemi, and they've just got nothing. I think they have like a total of five or six goals down through the center. Like Deneau's done nothing this year. He's struggled. He's usually really good. Uh, you know, Cagniemi's been okay, but not great. Suzuki's been pretty good, but he can't carry the whole load himself. And then Jake Evans is their fourth C. So like, I really don't know what's going to change without a major roster move here. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know a lot of, like, I don't recognize a lot of those names on the Habs roster. Like I, they've never stood out to me as a team that's kind of stacked with top end talent. And I feel like NHL teams tend to use um, firing the coach as sort of like a, uh, an easy solution to bigger problems. Right. Like, ah, we don't know why things aren't working. So let's just like fire the coach and see what happens. Right. And um yeah, I, I don't think the Habs are a particularly good team. I don't think they're as good as they thought they were going into this season. Um, I don't think that firing the coach is going to help that much. I, I'm not entirely sure what the problem is, but it seems it seems to run a little bit deeper than that for sure. Yeah, I mean, like nine, sub 900 goaltending or whatever they've been getting yeah. doesn't help anyway. I mean, you know, we in Ottawa, we know that very well with the ups and downs that has been the Senators' <laughs> goaltending so far this year. But um, yeah, it, it was pretty mostly funny, downs, you know. To be honest, yeah, yes, a downs. lot of downs, a lot of downs. And I think we're going to get into that soon. But um, yeah, you know, we keep going. We get to the Calgary game on Thursday night. And mm-hmm. Ottawa just, that was their best game of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. They just played a dominant 60 minutes. Like, yeah. And like, I mean, it's a very young team. So you're kind of used to seeing them you know, there's a lot of up and down, right? Like they'll have a really good first period and they'll kind of collapse in the second or something. And it was just amazing to see them just like keep going for the entire 60 minutes. They just destroyed the flames, right? And like, I some of those goals were like a little bit soft, but again, like they ha- the Sens have been giving up those types of goals for so long that it's nice to see that finally kind of turning around. And yeah, like the the offensive firepower was amazing like the um the power play has finally clicked apparently right it's um it was yeah it was really really nice to see yeah i mean you know it's a tough night when you're letting good brands and point shots go in <laughs> right? and just stuff yeah. from outside the blue line and everything like that it's like it's are like- the flames okay <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's like this isn't great. And, and I mean they were they were on game two of a back to back. They played Toronto the night before. And honestly, I was shocked Dave Riddich got the start in that game because he had played Markstrom went down with an injury. So mm-hmm. Riddich had played in Toronto on Monday, faced a bunch of shots. Wednesday got pelted with like, I think it was 45 shots in an overtime game. Mm-hmm. And they started them back to back because their third goalie is uh Artem. I I have no idea how to pronounce his name, Artem Z, but (laughs) the the not good one. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. well, it was funny because the Sens have two Artems and then there's another Artem there. So it's kind of funny that there might be like three players with kind of the same name. Um, Yeah, it was, yeah, 
the the flames definitely did not have the best goaltending and i can kind of understand why um but even beyond that like the sens if you look at like the the game flow and stuff um the sens had possession like most of that game they looked really good there was a lot there were a lot of sequences where they were in the offensive zone and they got a lot of chances that didn't go in just as you know a lot of weird goals went in they they definitely deserved to win that game quite decisively yeah, they really dominate, especially those first two periods. I thought they really, really controlled the pace of play. And, you know, again, you can you can say, you know, it's, well, Calgary was on a back-to-back, but Ottawa can't control that. You just play who you play, and you got to take points like that. Exactly, and, and they, they just took advantage of that. <laughs> like, exactly. no mercy at all. Um, and it, and it, was, it, was, it was very nice to see the Flames fans uh, kind of melting down a little bit. Like, we lost to Ottawa. No, <laughs> they only do that against the Leafs and Habs. It's been honestly hilarious to watch just fan bases have meltdowns as soon as they lose to the Ottawa Senators now. When in reality, it's it's not like they're that bad of a team. It's, you know, they're not good, obviously. There's there's a lot of flaws <laughs> with this team, and they're a young team. They're learning. But, you know, there's the whole start to the season where they, you know, they got tagged with that worst team ever narrative. It's like, okay, that yeah. was just everything going wrong. And, and we're seeing what happens when you either – you know, take them lightly or, you know, don't face them at full strength. They're going to, they're going to take advantage of you and take two points from you. Right. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, I also think that there's been a lot of improvement too. Like there have been, you know, bounces going their way and everything, but they're, the team looks a lot better. The defense looks much better. The goaltending has improved. The team seems to have a little bit more fight to them. Um, Like, you know, we'll talk about the, the other Calgary game, but that was a game where, I think a few weeks ago, if they went down that by that many goals that early on in a game, they would have just collapsed, right? Like that's what we kept seeing against um, Edmonton and Vancouver. And instead, like, you know, they kept fighting and they didn't come back, but they did continue to play. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with the Sens, that, that improvement. It's also, I think, um, just incredibly funny that they did that badly so early on in the season because it makes it so much funnier when they win now, right? Like, you know, they they lost those like 14 games or whatever. And it was like, hey, the Leafs lost to this team. <laughs> you know, just remember that, right? And then, and then of course they beat the Habs and it was like, wow, the Habs really are that bad, aren't they? That they lost to the Sens. Like I, I find that funny from a, a Sens fan perspective when when fans are are kind of freaking out about losing to the Sens. Absolutely. Especially just because how mental it goes. And, you know, most Canadian teams are on edge generally and Ottawa's included in that, but you know, this year and last year, it's more just, okay, we suck. We know we're going to suck. So whatever, (laughs) but you have the Vancouver's and the Calgary's who are just, Uh and Montreal who are just completely underperforming and you have Toronto who's going to melt down to no matter what, like anything. (laughs) Right. Um, But you know, so it's always just even funnier in this division, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like we didn't, no, it's fine. Um, you know, people talked about like the Canadian division and how much fun it would be on the ice, but I don't think we we gave enough thought to how much fun it will be with fan bases. Like, you know, the, the most like ridiculous, like really, really intense fan bases in the NHL, you know, they're all in Canada and we're all like at each other's throats about this. It's been pretty fun for the Sens at least. Yes. Part of me wants to see Ottawa in the playoffs too, just so you can get like the hellscape that is Twitter for a seven game series. You know, thing is, you know, they'd play the Leafs in the first round and you know that they'd win that. (laughs) 
it, it would just be reverse early 2000s. You, it would have to be. Like, there's just no other way that narrative would go. And yeah. But also, you know, part of me goes, no, I want no part of that. That sounds brutal. It, for, it sounds brutal. Weeks. But like, and the thing is, yeah, it sounds terrible. And like, the idea of losing that series, like, no, I don't want that. I, you know, yeah, part of me is like, no, don't make the playoffs. I can't handle that. But then the other part of me is like, this team honestly would probably beat the Leafs or at least make things very interesting and the idea of beating the Leafs in the first round is so appealing that I'm like willing to do it and even if they didn't all you have to fall back on is well we were not supposed to be here at all so good congratulations we win one game we'll be like we'll be like you guys should have swept us yeah exactly but so that would be funny but yeah (laughs) I think when it comes to the playoffs no matter which four teams it's going to be just insane watching the uh, Twitter fan bases go back and forth because it's not like Edmonton is quiet either they have a very loud twitter fan base that can uh, yeah. get going as well but uh yeah we got the last game here and it was um it was the most disappointing one of the week that, that's i think it's it safe was, to say it, it kind of came crashing down it was like you know we were all on this high it was like oh are we gonna extend the winning streak hamburger run 2.0 you know we're gonna go on this run and 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 then, yeah it was it, it was it reminded me of like the the 2015 to 2017 matinee curse where it was like the running joke was always any day game ottawa was gonna suck yeah. in it just it yeah. didn't matter they just could not win but mm-hmm. uh you know and i thought that kind of went away for a little bit just because maybe just because the team was so bad they lost the same amount of day games as they did night games anyways, <laughs> there was, right? yeah, i but, remember broadcasters being like oh the Suns haven't won a game on the road and i was like guys they haven't won a game yeah, like they haven't pretty much any situation yeah like, Try to give you these stats about like, this is, you know, or they haven't won a game um, after trailing or, you know, after scoring the first goal. It's like, they've won like one game guys. Yeah. But uh, this was a, this was a brutal one, especially for them. They made it, as you said, they, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple of weeks ago, when we saw them on that road trip, they might've just folded in and lost eight or nine, nothing or something like that. But, you know, they tried to come back. I thought the third was relatively entertaining, yeah, but sure. the, the start of the game was not, you know, Calgary made it one, nothing early seconds later, made it two, nothing. And um, this would look like Matt Murray from the first couple of weeks, which is really mm-hmm. disappointing because he's one of the guys that I, I've liked a little more. He's gone from, he's had a, I, I feel like he has a really, really good game. Like on, on um, Thursday, sorry. I thought he played really, really well. And then, yeah you get to Saturday and it's like, who is this guy? This is not the same goalie we just saw two nights ago. And I fully expect if he's starting tomorrow or whenever the Monday, so whenever this comes out, if he starts Monday, I fully expect him to just play well again for another game and the streak will continue. And I just, I, I don't get it, but he looked brutal this game. He did. Yeah. And it was, it was just disappointing, right? Cause the team is on such a tear. There's so much momentum, right? Uh, we really wanted that win and, and to just, yeah, give up a few goals so early on. Um, but like, I don't know, I think it was still entertaining and maybe a reminder that that this team isn't quite as good as the last week would have led us to believe, right? And it was um, a good reality check for the the three game high that they were going in. It on, was. And sure. you know, the whole the whole Sensico thing, like we we know that we're not gonna win a lot of games, right? And the the sort of idea is like when we lose, it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know? Whereas when we win, it's extremely exciting. So I guess this is just keeping things exciting. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, um, there were some highlights, like Drake Batherson extended his goal streak to five games, and we're definitely going to talk about him because he's been yeah. one of the best players lately. But, um, you know, and, and Joey Decor comes in for the third period, gets some, you know, taste of NHL action. I thought he looked pretty good. He made, he wasn't tested too often. I thought Ottawa kind of really shut it down with him behind them, but he made a couple good stops. I, I don't think he even let in the goal if I'm 
it was six two going into the third, right? Yeah. So yeah, um, um yeah, so I think he uh uh you know he played really well, uh, to be honest. Like, and mm-hmm. so that that was that was fun to see. And um, you know, it was uh it was this is probably the most obvious game of there, there's not too many where it's like, hey, this team is clearly young. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of the losses this year, it's like, yes, there's some youngness there, but also it's a mix of no goaltending or like what is good Brant and, and Coburn <laughs> yeah, doing I was on gonna the say, ice? A lot of it is, why aren't the young players on the ice? This yeah. is an old team. What's happening? But this was the first game or one of the first games this year where it was like, yeah, okay, this is just a young team getting their teeth yeah. kicked in. And this is a learning experience. There was, and it wasn't just the young guys. It's not like the vets mm-hmm. were playing good by any means, but there was about seven turnovers I counted and yeah. four of the goals were direct results of just a turnover right to a flames person stick. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, you got to get that puck out. And, and, and some of them were guys like, like Josh Norris did it. Uh, Bradstrom had one, I think Stutzel had one, but then, you know, uh, a Tierney had one as well. And um, there was a defenseman I think who did as well. And it's just like, it was, it was a bad, it, not a great game from anyone really. It was, it was one yeah. you kind of would like to forget, but you know, those, those ones are going to happen. And I think, um, you know, I, I mean, it was a matinee game, so it feels like there's always less people watching those anyways, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't think the reaction was super negative on Saturday either, which is good to see because I think people are accepting. It's like, Hey, if we win a game or two and have one of these stinkers, that's okay. It, it's going to mm-hmm. happen. And I, I think that is probably the appropriate attitude to have. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. The other thing I wanted to bring up uh, from this was the uh, obviously uh, Philip Schlappick this week. Uh, they terminated mm-hmm. his contract. I think I was pretty caught off guard when they put him on waivers yeah. to because he was already on like in the minor system. Mm-hmm. And then it came out that he wanted to terminate the contract. And, um, you know, it, it sounds like it wasn't much more than just simply he wanted to go probably back to Europe and play because he's not getting a shot here. And from his perspective, I totally understand that. Uh from the team's perspective, I don't really get not getting him a shot. I think he is very clearly one of the 12 or 13th best forwards on this team. And I, I frankly don't understand playing Paquette, Watson, Haley, mm-hmm. and Pekka ahead of him. Um, but, you know, with Dezingle drawing into the lineup in this week, probably at some point, there just really wasn't a spot for him. So um, it's a shame because I think there was probably a role for him to be a fourth line player somewhere in the NHL a defensively responsible one but it just it didn't seem to work out here in Ottawa yeah I mean it's like you said like I from a team perspective like I'm disappointed because he was a player that I actually enjoyed watching in the bottom six right and there aren't a lot of those especially now um I'm mostly I mostly enjoy watching the the young guys but I really did enjoy watching this guy play and I would like to keep him on the team I think he would be a great player in the bottom six um but from his perspective like i i completely understand i wish the team had given him a chance right to to kind of give him that incentive to stay um but who knows who even knows if it's just that he didn't get a chance to play in the nhl right like he might just want to go back to europe it might even be that he doesn't want to play on the fourth line every night and he wants to um to get a bit more chances to to show off in european leagues i don't know yeah, I mean, if he plays in a high enough European league, there's probably he's probably not taking much of a pay cut from his seven hundred thousand mm-hmm. NHL salary, and he's almost certainly getting a pay raise from. I think he only makes seventy k in the minors, so it's mm-hmm. like it's quite the the drop, right? So I, I'm assuming he would go overseas, and if it's even just as simple as that, like 
I, again, I, I can't really blame him at all, but I, I, I'm with you. I, I would have much rather them, if they're going to cut him, I would have much rather them do it because they didn't like what they saw this year instead of just not even get, like he had one game. I thought he mm-hmm. looked really good. And he, then he got scratched and sent back down to the minors. It's like, well, what do you want the guy to do? You know what I mean? And like yeah. his, all his NHL sample shows that he is what they thought Paquette was a re- defensive responsible fourth liner who can chip mm-hmm. in a goal or two here and there, you know, he's not going to light the lamp offensively or anything like that, but he'll chip in a point or two here and there and he can, he can be responsible in his own end. And uh, I don't know, I, I'm a little disappointed, but it, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's probably an upgrade on what you have for some of your guys playing right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> There's, but, there's no point in Michael Haley drawing in this lineup. like Exactly. And it's just, it's, yeah, that's been the case with a lot of the bottom six forwards on the sense where it just doesn't make any sense why they're there. Like they're not contributing anything. Maybe they're good in the locker room or something. I don't know what a locker room is like. Um, I don't know what, what leadership they're, they're contributing to this team, but just from the perspective of like the lineup, it doesn't make sense that, yeah, like, Paquette and Anisimov over um, Logan Brown and stuff like it's just weird that we have all of these players that clearly are not contributing much to the team and they're sticking in the staying in the lineup when we have players that maybe aren't gonna you know wow us if they come into the NHL but they're still definitely better than these guys. Yeah, exactly. And like, I do think that leadership has a role in it, but at the same time, it doesn't, I don't care how good of a leader you are. If you can't play hockey at an yeah. okay rate, you can't be dressing as one of the 12 players, you know, just, just be an assistant coach, be on the taxi squad and just kind of show yeah. up in the locker room. I, I don't know. I don't know how the taxi squad works exactly, but you know, show up to, to give some speeches or something, yeah, <laughs> like, like it, yeah, like, you know, find some other way to lead the team from. Yeah. Or like not, there's, I'm, I'm yes, sure there's yeah. plenty of players who are like, good leader, so quote unquote, but also mm-hmm. just an actual NHL player. You know, like Tyler yeah. Ennis seemed like a guy who he was probably quiet. I think he was quieter, but he seemed like a pretty good guy. You know, he, he's been around the league for a while, but you know what? He was actually a fourth line player who could pr- produce, right? Like he wasn't yeah. a bum on the ice or anything like that. So it's like, go find a player like that, please, before you well, dress Michael Haley. Like Even like, yeah, with one of the Habs games, they dressed Haley and then which player gets into a fight that game? Brady Kachuk. Yeah. Not, not Haley, right? So like, and, why is he here? And the coach, like DJ Smith, literally would not play him at five on five. And the biggest problem was that is Derek Stepan goes down in the, in the second game that Michael Haley's mm-hmm. playing. And guess what? Now you're not down to 11 forwards. You're down to about 10 and a half because mm-hmm. you can't play Michael Haley more than, I think he played six minutes and that was his season high time on ice. It's like, you just, this cannot happen if this is what you're dressing a dude for. Like it's 2021. You can't have that happening anymore. And some people are like, well, the good thing is it gets more ice time to your better wingers. It's like, sure. But this is also a 56 game condensed schedule where the team mm-hmm. sucks. Just find ways to get them more ice time. And they're going to get their ice time throughout the year. Like I don't need Brady. As much as I love Brady Kajak, I don't need him playing 23 minutes a night in a four, one law or even a five, four mm-hmm. overtime win. It's like, I don't need him grinding his body down like that to get from the seventh place in the division to seventh place but two points behind or whatever you know yeah exactly well and I mean we saw this with Carlson too where you know he like I I think one of the reasons why he's fallen off a cliff so much in San Jose is that like he you know destroyed his body playing ridiculous minutes in Ottawa playing through injuries like and you know 
it's it was great to see him play so much but when you're overplaying your stars like that it's it's gonna wear on them eventually right you're you want to roll four lines you want to have players who can actually play hockey and I know that like if they replace Haley with like a young guy we're all gonna complain about how the young guy isn't getting enough minutes but would I rather have a young player playing five minutes a night and sitting on the bench every night than Michael Haley yes I'll still complain but maybe slightly less. Well, and the other thing too is like, if your argument to only playing them five minutes is, well, we can't put Watson out there, get Watson out of the line. And like, yeah. I, I, I don't hate Watson. I think he's been okay. But my mm-hmm. philosophy has always been, if you just play better players on your fourth line, you can play the fourth line more. You know, yeah. like, and <laughs> some nights it won't happen, but other nights it can. Like, It's one of the most frustrating things about hockey, I find, that they're, they have this idea that, like, you need to have really bad players on the fourth line. Like, you need to have your bad players who do nothing except, like, occasionally get into fights, often at terrible moments, too. And, like, why? Why not just put in, like, an 18-year-old? And I know they're going to make mistakes and stuff, but, like, if you're only playing them five minutes, like, what's the harm in doing that? Yeah, or like even or like a like Schlappig is what 22, 23? Yeah. Like he's played pro hockey for four or five years now. It's not like he is just some guy that's gonna be starstruck out there and has no confidence. It's like he's the perfect like like a guy like him is the perfect option. And so yeah, I think it'll be more solved, you know, when Dezingle comes in because Dezingle's kind of he's older, obviously he's 28, mm-hmm. 29, and you know, he's not the player that uh we saw when he was last year with Ottawa, but I think he'll be a good addition to that fourth line. But yeah, it's frustrating when you watch and it's like, no, Michael Haley needs to come in to, to protect guys. It's like, I think I saw more dirt happen that game, the two games Michael Haley were in, <laughs> than I saw the rest of the season combined. <laughs> How like, is he going to protect them if he's never on the ice too? Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like <laughs> They're just going to see him on the bench and be like, oh shit, no. Yeah, and, and just yeah. the idea to me that like, oh, well, he'll go and fight them after, and then that'll scare them from then on. It's like, no, it, it, these guys thought. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm, and then, like, I, again, like, I, I said this on Twitter, too. Like, I, I do, actually, it is refreshing seeing Mathot's take, and also, he's not just saying, yeah, and I played the game, so your idiot's opinions don't matter. He's saying, this is just what I think, and mm-hmm. but the biggest problem with that, and if anyone missed Mark Mathot's comments, he pretty much said, yeah, when you do have Haley in the lineup, the team play, you'd play a different, uh, different style way, and mm-hmm. the problem with that is, I think that he's drawing on experience from three, four five years ago, where mm-hmm. I think the game has changed so much, even from three or four years ago to the point where I really just don't like, there's, there's tangible evidence over the past four games that Michael Haley has been in that he does mm-hmm. not do anything to do, like persuade any team to not do something stupid. Like Stutzel took a legitimate high stick from, yeah. the, uh, it was Dano, I think just straight to the jaw. And it's like, well, yeah, like he can't do anything because he's not going to be on the ice. And if you put him on the ice to go chase around after him, he's just going to take a penalty. So it's like, why would the guy be scared? He's just not going to fight him. And like these guys have been knowing how to defend themselves. Like the most skilled players in hockey are all the most skilled players in hockey in junior too. So in junior hockey, they know how to defend themselves all the way up because they're used to taking the abuse like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So they've played for decades where they know they have to like keep their head up or whatever. One goon in the NHL is not going to make a difference. They're going to be happy because Michael Haley can't keep up to any of them. So yeah. it, just, it, it blows my mind that, you know, you think like Watson, sure. He can, he has a little bit of skill, you know, he he's put a couple goals on this year, but you don't need Michael Haley in the lineup in 2021. It is just that simple. 
Yeah, well, even like, a, you know, another example is they used to play Peugeot on the fourth line a lot, too. And like, he was great at that. He's a tough guy. I mean, you know, he wasn't getting into fights all the time, but like he could throw hits against players like a foot taller than him. And, you know, he could actually play and he was often saddled with like, what, like Cassian and stuff who would just like start fights randomly. Um, yeah. So it's it's definitely like so frustrating to see this happening, like still happening in 2021. Like, why? Why? Yeah. And I mean, I think this is probably a, even a bigger conversation we don't fully need to get into. <laughs> but like, I, I honestly feel like the game is pretty much moved past the need for fighting. Like, mm-hmm. in, like, and I get like, you know, whenever you say it's not even that I just I don't enjoy watching two people just punch each other in the face for no real yeah. reason, you know, and it's like. Yeah, like I get that the bulk of concussions come from during play. That's fine, but it's more just like you like you want to have that during play. You don't need to be punching each other in the face over and over again. Yeah, it's like, like it's, it's completely pointless. I I don't enjoy it at all. Um, I mean, I was joking about how I would accept a fight on the condition that Matthew Kachuk. Like, if if one of the sends yeah. like beats up Matthew Kachuk, I'm I'm so on board with that. If it's Kachuk versus Kachuk absolutely i'm on board with that fight but other than that like i don't find them entertaining at all right like it's no and it's just it it takes away from the game like it's it's just this boring thing that happens and you're like oh okay now we have to deal with that and we're gonna get a penalty and um often often players will literally start fights while their team has the puck and you're just like interrupting the game for literally no reason I think the best example I can ever remember that was the 2017 playoff run when Chris Neal drew in the lineup to fight whoever, whatever the Rangers guy, I I can't even remember who it was, but Kyle Turris had the puck and they were on a two on one and Chris Neal's fighting in their own end. And Turris literally turns around and like slams his stick and starts yelling at Chris Neal as he's fighting saying like, what on earth are you doing? Yeah. yeah, it's like that's the exact stuff. And like with fights now, it's like you either get two bad players. I don't care about fighting each other. It's like, why do I want to watch this? It's not like like I still feel like sometimes I get like not ex- I don't even know if excited is the right word. But like when Brady Kachuk gets in a passionate scrum yeah, and gets yeah. in a fight, it's like, let's go. And then you go, shit, that means Brady Kachuk can't play for five more minutes. Exactly. You know, so it's like that does that's not good because now I don't see my favorite player on the ice for at mm-hmm. least, you know, a quarter of this period, probably more. And that's not a good thing either. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm, 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 I'm trying to think of like fights that I've enjoyed. I also am a huge fan of the line brawl that happened in 2013. That was, that was a great moment. Um, but that's about the only fight that I can remember being very, very memorable. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even though sometimes I look back, it's like, wow, we probably didn't need to do that. But we it, didn't, it's like, but it was really funny. <laughs> yes, it, it, exactly. Um, let's get to some stuff just so we, we've seen over the past mm-hmm. week or two. Um, you know, I, I said, I mentioned them earlier. I really thought that Drake Batherson is someone who has stuck oh, yeah. out to me in the past, you know, couple games here. Obviously, he's on a five-game goal, uh, goal streak, so that's great to see. But um, more importantly, too, I just like he just looks like a legitimate top six winger. Yeah. It's not just the goals. He's really controlling play. You know, his underlying numbers are really starting to, to shine through. He's controlling the shot attempts, the, the expected shot at goals and everything like that. And everything really seems to come together. And again, like I've mentioned a couple times this year, it'd be huge if he is a top six winger and it looks like he's going to be that. And that is just like, it's really awesome to see, but it's massive for this team going forward too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we didn't know exactly going into this season what he would turn out to be. Like, it was sort of a question mark, like, oh, does he need a few more years to, to figure it out? And yeah, it's been so nice to see him just like establish himself as a top six forward, top line forward. You know, he's he's been amazing on that first line um, right from the beginning. He was like, you know, a little bit snake bitten early on. I don't 
I, I think that he was a little bit better than the, the points might have indicated. And it's so nice to see him getting that point streak. Also, his chemistry with Tim Stutzla is incredible. Um, I know a lot of fans have been looking at that like potential line of Kachuk, Stutzla, and Batherson as a first line going forward. I would really, really love to see that. And I've been thinking of that like since the beginning of the season as that as a potential first line. Um, I, I'm actually like I'm kind of shocked that Stutzla didn't get a single goal this past week. I feel like he was due, like he's due right now because there were so many times where he almost scored, but like those two together have just been incredible. It's, I think the biggest compliment you can give them is they've lo- made Artemanisimov look legitimately like an yeah, NHL, exactly. top, like a, like a, <laughs> and, an NHL centerman. Like, man, I didn't even remember like who was playing with them. I was just like, yeah, those two. And like, I, I don't know who they, who they've been saddled with. But like they've been amazing, yeah. Yeah, it, it's honestly the chemistry watching them pass the puck back and forth at five on five, and even the power play. You know, Stutzel step on went down, and obviously you hope he's okay and can get back in the lineup at some point. But uh, that really, I don't know why Stepan was on power play one, but he was saddled there for some reason for most of this year, and Stutzel got a shot up there for a couple games now, and it's looked really good. And I don't think it's I don't think it's coincidence that the the power play starting to score some goals now. That you know we see mm-hmm. just legitimately more skill working together and getting chemistry on this power play. And it's really, it's really, really cool to see because um, yeah, it's huge for this team going forward where it's like, um, you know, Batherson was a question mark because he's shown everything he can in the AHL. He looked amazing in the AHL, but anytime he came up to the NHL, he just, he kind of didn't really have it, you know, like it was, mm-hmm. he got caved in five on five. He wasn't scoring goals. And the start of this year, like it was two weeks ago that uh, Bruce Garriosh was trying to suggest that they should yeah. scratch him. And it's like, that comment was stupid then, but it just looks <laughs> insanely stupid now. And I, I saw Garriosh was defending himself on Twitter yet today. I, whatever, I'm blocked. So yeah, I, I was blocked for a while. I got unblocked and now I just kind of mute him and move on. But yeah, it, it, I was just like, man, but like that, just that. And I, I don't doubt that the, the organization, probably thought the same way about they were probably debating scratching Drake Batherson and like this is why you don't do it because he's one of the uh, one of the few guys on this team who just have an immense amount of talent and he's showing it off right now yeah and like it's also it's really nice to see the the chemistry start to form and you know you talked about the power play clicking and stuff and I think that that's maybe something that we didn't consider enough going into the season that this is you know a very young team and that means that it's a team that like they haven't really played with each other before right and you know this the sends are just blowing are still kind of blowing up the roster like everything's been changing so much and you know it's been a long time since the last season so this is a team of players who don't really know each other haven't really played that much um and so i think it makes sense that finally a few games into the season perhaps a little bit later than we would have liked we're finally starting to see the lines clicking and everything like that absolutely and you know the other thing with the young thing uh young guys is up front, it feels like, you know, DJ Smith is actually letting them play. Um, The back end, it doesn't feel like it's the same way, you know, Um, Eric Branstrom, it looks like he might be sat tomorrow. And I just can't wrap my head around that. It looks like both will land. I'm enjoying Branstrom just going like on and off the taxi squad to like save money. Um, That's a very sense move. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I don't even know how much money you could be saving with that. But I hear it's like 7,000 a day or something. Yeah, it's like, it, it would make sense because I know some teams do that when they need the cap space, right? Like Toronto's a team that does that, but it's not because they're cheap. It's because <laughs> they need every dollar in the cap that they can get. This is just Eugene Melnick wants to save 7K so he can put it towards his <laughs> DJ or whatever. And instead of, you know, having to pay a dude for sitting on the team. He's got a um, fun labeled Brady Kachuk contract. He's yeah. like, if I, 
if I send down Brandstrom this many times, then I'll be able to pay for a year, right? Yeah, and, and so it's like, and like, if I, I can understand it more if it was like a veteran who didn't need the money, but it's like, this is a guy you're hoping to be a cornerstone of your team going forward. I don't think <laughs> pissing him off right now is a good idea. <laughs> you but... said that acquiring him was the proudest day of your career. Yeah, so it's like, I get your, you, there's only so much you can do about your owner, but it's like, when it comes down the line and he's not taking a discount, a penny off what he's going to be, whatever he's worth in his next couple contracts, and he goes, you tried to screw me at every single possibility, <laughs> that would be why, you know, but... um. And this is a team where, like, this problem that's been plaguing them for so many years is that, like, every player seems to have major beef with the front office. And, like, they can't hold on to players because everyone is like, no, I don't get along. Well, I mean, they haven't explicitly said it, but there's definitely a vibe that they don't really get along with um, with ownership and management. And so it's just like, they're just, like, screwing over Brandstrom in this way. Like, yeah, we we know that you're like a young guy just coming into the NHL, but we, we do want to make sure that you're making seven thousand less dollars every day. And it's like, what are you doing? It, it doesn't make sense. And like, did you like? I don't know. Did you see the Anthony Claire quotes from the other day? Oh yeah, NHL? that too. Those um, were wild. Like, and it's not even surprising, right? Like, no, you, not at all. You, yeah, and yeah. Like for anyone who hasn't seen it, it was on the Athletic, so it's behind a paywall. But Ian Mendes talked to um, to Anthony Duclair, and he, I don't think he went into detail about what happened, but he was basically like, "It's nice to finally be appreciated." I'm not going to go into detail about what happened in Ottawa, but it wasn't nice, right? Um, yeah, I, I have the quote here, and uh, it was uh, yeah from Ian, obviously, and then Graham mm-hmm. Nichols, the sixth ends. He uh, tweeted out the quote and yeah. said, "I don't want to go into too much detail about Ottawa, but the way I'm being." treated here is unbelievable to have the owner and general manager support whatever I want to do off the ice. And to have that in my back of my mind is obviously refreshing. Declare said, it makes me want to play harder for the organization so I can stay here a long-term, especially for a black hockey player. There's nothing better than knowing the mindset of your bosses. It's amazing. And like, that is such a telling quote about the Ottawa management. And I mean, if you remember, like, the sentence their like black lives matter statements were not good um, they were like, and they were very delayed and it, it kind of said a lot um and you know they're they still have not taken the black girl hockey club pledge which i know that a lot of teams haven't but it's still like and you know i as far as i know i'm pretty sure they were completely silent for black hockey month uh black history month like the yep. the like entire month right like they've, they, done, they, like they've nothing done nothing for any of and, it you know, Anthony Duclair, from what I've seen, seems somewhat interested in activism and, you know, getting involved with um, the uh, the Hockey Diversity Alliance and stuff. Spartacat, you know, gave him a shout out in his Black Hockey Month, uh, uh, or no, um, his uh, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I'm mixing up all my words today um, in his uh, Black Lives Matter post, right? So that I, I mean, I'm not going to say that's definitely it, but it definitely sounds like it was something along those lines. Well, and, you know, it's and the contract probably plays a thing too, but it's the same with Mark mm-hmm. Borowiecki is one of the few guys yeah. who actually spoke out about, you know, Black Lives Matter and also just um, pride as well, you yeah. know, like he does a lot with Pride Month and, and, and things like that. And um, he was not signed this offseason. Again, like I think, I don't think that was the main factor or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But if you told me it had a role in it, I wouldn't be shocked because there's been rumors like that, which is just, yeah. it's extremely disappointing to be, you know, there's no other way around that. And um, I, I feel bad for Declare, uh, but I'm glad that, you know, he's in a spot where he feels way more comfortable now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, when you talk about like 
the 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 team not treating players very well i think often a lot of fans tend to say well like oh the team tried to hold on to him right or you know you're not you're saying that the team you know didn't sign duclair because he's black and he's you know uh, um and because he's an activist and stuff or you know they didn't sign borvietsky because they were mad that he went to pride i don't think that was it i think that they just probably created a bad environment right and it's the same with all those players who left where you're like Maybe the Sens did want to, you know, spend money on their contracts, but you have to look at why the players wanted to leave. And if if Borvietsky wanted to leave and if Anthony Duclair wanted to leave, like that that does kind of tell you something about the team culture. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we've seen it over and over again and just like, you know, all the stuff they went through at times last year as well. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, you, you hope that this new, this new group can can build a new culture. And it kind of looks like they're starting, you know, like obviously yeah. the bromance with Brady and, and Stutzla. <laughs> so you hope that that can build and that can overcome whatever was there before, because, um, you know, it, it'll change how, how it looks going forward. And that's what's really important. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like it. It, it does kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth when you're like, hmm, we got rid of the, the black guy and the one who attends Pride and, you know, supports Black Lives Matter. And now we have a team culture, right? We got a bunch of white dudes, yeah, <laughs> a bunch of Americans and stuff. Like, it, yeah. it's just kind of a thing that as a hockey fan, you always have to grapple with a little bit. Um, but yeah, it has been nice to to see the team finally have a culture and to feel like guys actually want to be here. Um yeah, like it's it's definitely like kind of kind of difficult when you think about the reasons why people might be happy here. Um, but it, it has been nice to see at least. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we we don't know everything that goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like um, there's a lot of great guys, I'm sure, in the organization as there isn't any. But um, you know, it, it is telling that you know when the team does the bare minimum slash nothing for things like Black Lives Matter and Black History Month, and it's just like it's just kind of disappointing and like any we had a couple like even Anders Nielsen was a guy who was openly with pride month and stuff like that he he always would be a part of the pride parades and stuff like that but he's not here anymore either and again that was just Mm -hmm. I can say that was purely just a cap move because unfortunately he had concussion problems but um, yeah it it is unfortunate to see that you know when you have a few guys who actually speak out it feels like um, I, I don't know if the organization doesn't like it or they don't feel like they they, they should be doing it because of the organization, but uh, it, it's unfortunate, but, you know, hopefully, um, you know, the, the, the optimist in me hopes that we can see some more people, you know, speaking out about issues like that in the future, because it, and it, it, it's truly important to grow the game. Yeah. And like the, the progress seems like agonizingly slow, but I think that, you know, the NHL is very, very, very slowly progressing toward an environment where players can feel slightly more comfortable speaking out. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that that will continue, but we'll just kind of have to see. Yes, absolutely. Um, one other thing I just want to bring up was the, the branch of thing. Uh, it looks like he might be scratched um, for Braden Coburn on Monday night, which I can, I, I just, I, I can't wrap my head around it. I, I, this is one move I don't understand. Yes. He didn't have a great game on Saturday, but I didn't think anyone had a great game on Saturday. I think Branstrom has legitimately been one of the best Ottawa defensemen over the past week and mm-hmm. a half, even, you know, two, two or three weeks, even better than Shabbat. Like, and Shabbat's like, he's had some up and down games as well, but like Branstrom has looked great, but it's the same with the one, uh, the one Canadians game. He made a turnover that led to a goal against, and I don't even think the goal was all on Branstrom. It was a weak goal that went in for Murray. Mm-hmm. His partner didn't help him out at all. And yet Branstrom got sat for like 10 minutes in the third period to end the and game. Like- 
it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, how do you expect a young player to learn from that? And like, what better time to just like let the players play? Like, it's not, it's not like the Suns are competing for a playoff spot. Like, what do you hope to accomplish by sitting these young players? What, what is the worst thing you think is going to happen if you let a slightly inexperienced defenseman play, you know, a little bit more time than he would on another team, right? Like, he's been good. He's made a few mistakes. They haven't been like that egregious, especially considering the other players on this team who are like, some of these defensemen are just bad. Right. And, and Brandstrom is like mostly good, but sometimes makes mistakes. And that's the biggest thing is like, it's not like you're replacing him with someone who's actually just like responsible mm-hmm. defensively. It's Braden we don't have Col- any of those. <laughs> no, it's Braden Colburn and Eric Branson. They both suck. Like, they're, yeah. they're horrible. Like good. Bran- I don't know how good Branson has played in every game this year. <laughs> He is like, just, I knew he wasn't going to be good. And he's still just blown past all my disappointing expectations. Again, it's just like, I don't know. There are these like North, there's a specific type of player, just a North American player who like cannot play hockey. And like all they contribute is just like physicality and then quote unquote leadership. And they'll just get every chance. And I, I, I don't understand it's the same with Colburn. Like brain Colburn does nothing. He brings nothing good to this team. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, again, yeah. maybe he's a, a leader or whatever you want to say, but on the ice, purely looking on the ice, he brings nothing to this team. Mm-hmm. He can't play defense. He can't transition the puck and he's not good in the offensive end. So like other than just sitting there and hacking and slashing away at guys in front of the net, he does nothing. And for whatever reason, that scene is a good thing. It's like, no, I'd much rather the guy who, serves up a muffin by accident in our own end, but also will go and generate two great scoring opportunities the other way than the guy who just gets walked and doesn't do anything on the ice other than get walked and then goes to the bench. It's like, don't give me that player. Give me the guy who can actually give me the upside of a goal going back the other way. Like I just, yeah, I, I, for sure. I don't get it, but we'll have to see where it goes here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's a thing that every hockey team does. <laughs> It's just always Absolutely. a frustrating thing, but, um, and, you know, to be fair, like DJ Smith has been pretty good about like adjusting and, you know, with the forwards, we saw him actually start to play the kids. So, you know, maybe we're going to see that with Brandstrom down the line. If he stops being sent down to the taxi squad every few days um, and, and gets a consistent spot on the team. Yeah. And that's the thing that, you know, I think confuses me the most, maybe it's like he, it, he's shown that he's really willing to change his mind on guys, you know, and just mm-hmm. even after the first three or four games, he goes, no, you know what? I, I do need to play the kids more. And he has, and, and credit mm-hmm. to him, but it's like, okay, now you got to do the same with Branstrom because the exact same thing is happening here, you know, yeah. like, and then yeah. just even like, yeah, yeah. Like I, again, I, I get, he's not great in his own end Branstrom, but like, I don't know how you can look at his game versus anyone else on this blue line and say, yes, he's the problem here. It's like, mm-hmm. he's been legitimately a good NHL defenseman in my, in my eyes anyway, so far. And like, I think the numbers back that up and even just on the power play, like watching him move the puck has been really fun to watch, you know, like yeah. he got to quarterback the power play when, uh, when Shabbat was out for the game and, you know, it wasn't uh it wasn't an insane step down. Obviously it wasn't Thomas Shabbat, but few guys are him, but it was, it was nice to just have another puck mover in the lineup. And the fact that well, Landon's not even drawing in for him. It's going to be a Braden Coburn coming in. It's like, I don't really care to see that at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for this era of the Sens defense to be over. I want all our prospects to come in and, <laughs> um, and, and I want, you know, Zub and, and Shabbat and Brandstrom to stay and, and have a consistent spot in the lineup and, and all those bad guys to leave. <laughs> 
Well, and there's always going to be maybe one, one, maybe two guys that you probably don't love in your, your lineup on the defense. But like the fact that there's like four on any given night, it feels like some nights it's yeah. just like, it's like, yeah, I don't like, like Zeitz has been fine this year, much better than expected. So that's good. But he's still a number four, I would say at best. So it's not like I get excited to watch him. Uh, Mike Riley has been up and down. But I, you know, I don't get thrilled to watch him. He just kind of whatever. I actively hate watching Eric Goodbranson. I actively dislike watching Coburn. So it's like, and then you know, I like watching Zub. Obviously, he's been a lot of fun to watch. But it's like the the fact that there's like two guys I could care way less about, or I could care less about in the lineup, and two guys mm-hmm. I actively don't want to see in the lineup most nights. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. not a great combo for a team that, um, you know, they're not maybe not trying to be competitive, but should be wanting to win a couple games this year, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like there might be a bit of, um, they might be a bit hesitant to play the young guys because of what happened with Cody Cece a few years ago. But I, I still think that that was a pretty different situation. I think that Brandstrom is very obviously not Cody Cece. And I think that the problems with Cody Cece ran deeper than just being uh, being rushed into the NHL. So I, I would really, really like to see them just put all the kids on the ice the way that they are finally doing on forward for the most part. Absolutely. I think you could argue they've done with Branch on what they should have done with CC where yeah. they had, they had him in the AHL for two and a half years or whatever. like he's, mm-hmm. he's played pro hockey now for like three years. It's, it's not like Cody CC where he was an offensive minded defenseman in junior got <laughs> they were like, now the, you're Chris Phillips. <laughs> exactly. Got thrown in the lineup <laughs> at 18 years old and went, yep, you're going to just play nothing but defense, no offense for you. And it's like, okay, well, how did you expect that guy to succeed with Branch? Mm-hmm. It's like, he's played in the AHL. He's played big minutes in the AHL. It's like, he knows how to do this. Just let him do it. He's gonna, yes, he's gonna make some mistakes, but like, that's what this year should be about. You know, like if, if, yeah. I, if I have to watch Branson make four mistakes a game versus me watching Coburn or uh, Coburn and good Branson do it, I'll take Branson all every day because I know he's going to learn and he's going to do something on the offensive end. The other two can't do. Well, even Thomas Shabbat, right? Like they were careful not to feed steak to a baby too early on, but like, you know, he drew into the lineup pretty early on in his career and was very obviously very good. Like I remember his first few NHL games and I, I was really, really hyped about Shabbat. He looked good from the beginning and they had him playing in like an offensive defensive role right from the beginning because they knew that that's the type of player that he was and, and it worked, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, um, yeah, like there's nothing wrong with sheltering a guy until you feel he's ready for some more minutes. And um again on this day like it's just there's there's a difference between sheltering a player and just being like no you're done like you're sad yeah. and that, that's the most disappointing thing about it but um yeah we'll have to see where it goes from here uh ottawa's embarking on a pretty big road trip after tomorrow they play the flames at home and then they go to montreal and then they're going out west again they uh, <laughs> yeah um <laughs> i'm in the atlantic time zone and oh, like yeah. it's and i I, I should be just going to sleep during these games, but I, I never do it. Cause it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a full-time student. So might as well just kind of stay up. And then every time I've always like the next day, I, I will be like super emotional. <laughs> I'll be like, just, you know, not feeling it, not able to concentrate. I'm like, why is that? And then <laughs> the day after I'm like, oh, I got a, a good night's sleep. And now I'm suddenly like capable of functioning. Um, 
So looking forward to that happening again. And fingers crossed they'll at least give us a little bit better hockey to watch. So at least if you're, yeah, okay. you're going to be a mess the next day, it was at least good hockey the night before. You know well, that? one day I'll be able to say that like in 2021, I was staying up until like, was it 2 a.m. in Halifax? Two or three. Or, yeah. Like, right. Yeah, to, to watch the Senators lose like 7-1 to the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Because that was the thing. It was like here it's a 10 p.m. start and like that's late yeah. enough for me. And um mm-hmm. yeah it, it was just like you'd start at 10 and it'd be probably one by the time the game was done it's mm-hmm. like well I just watched them get their ass kicked for 60 minutes why did I stay up the <laughs> yeah, entire time? exactly and then like you can't sleep for a while because you're all fired up for like, yep. <laughs> talking shit on Twitter right yep and then so um, I don't know the, the, the only bright spot is that they're not 10 p.m eastern starts they're 9 p.m 9 30 9 8 9 so it's so, at least so an hour earlier than me. it could yeah yes <laughs> so not 11 30 or whatever it would have been but mm-hmm. um yes hopefully hopefully they start uh or hopefully, hopefully they play a little better on this this road trip out west than they did last uh let's road trip. hope uh thank you so much for joining me today plug some stuff where can people find you and and your work Thanks so much for having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I am at C Beata E. Um, you can also find my writing at silver7cents.com. Um, if you subscribe to the Silver 7 podcast network, um, you will also find my podcast, This Amelnik in Life, but you can also find all of those links in my Twitter. So follow me there. I think I'm like very close to a thousand followers right now. So please follow me. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, shoot yeah. the tag out for the Twitter too when the podcast comes out. So yeah, go, awesome. go make sure. Uh, I, I always enjoy your work and, and your writing, you know, and just the, the game recaps are always fun to read. So uh, <laughs> keep up the great work. And again, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much to Beata for joining. As I mentioned previously, uh, I had a really good time recording and, uh, you know, we got in some more deeper things than maybe we we usually get too on on this podcast, but I, I don't think that's a bad thing by, by any means. You know, I think it's important conversations to have, but um, there's also some, you know, obviously light, light conversation as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff, the podcast on Twitter at Last Word on Sends. Uh, thank you everyone for the shared and continued support. Uh, just the downloads and listens and, and any likes or shares mean so much to me. Um, as always, uh, if you want to check out my writing, it's at lastwordonhockey.com and milehighhockey.com. Uh, I'm trying to get in the habit of getting more writing more frequently. It's been pretty busy with school and every and you know watching games every week and then doing two podcasts a week as well. Um, so I'm trying to get a little more active doing that. But yeah, that's where you can find my work. But I, everything funnels through Twitter as well, at NHL Sends and stuff. So um, yeah, as always, thank you everyone for listening. And if there's anyone you want to hear on a future episode, shoot me a message. I'm always open to uh, suggestions and anything like that. So thank you everyone for listening. And I hope you all have a great week. I'll talk to you all next week.